welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with the co-founder of the retained executive search and strategic human capital advisory firm, Hunter and Esquire. He and his wife launched the firm in 2017 to exclusively serve the leadership level hiring needs of the most aspirational cannabis businesses and expanded to serve the psychedelics industry in 2020. Their business is a Boulder-based boutique agency that has spent the past four years successfully fulfilling leadership roles across the cannabis economy in nearly every legal U.S. market, as well as Latin America and Europe. And so without further ado, Brian Passman, welcome to the show. Oh, Mike, thanks for that fantastic intro. You nailed it. You're definitely uh, good at your job, man. Thank you. that's, That's an easy lift for me, man. You've done all the hard work. Um, so with all of that, why don't we just take it back to the very beginning? What brought you into cannabis? What, you know, what were you doing before this and how did you make that transition to be where you are today? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've only ever been a headhunter. It's, it's all I've ever done since graduating from the university of Florida, a little bit over 20 years ago. And, um, I've always been a cannabis consumer since much longer than I'm allowed to discuss at home in front of our kids. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was interesting to start out right out of school, didn't really know anything and dive right into uh, medical device search. Uh, I got pretty lucky. It was funny. I got tricked into being a medical device recruiter. I was trying to be a medical device sales rep and a guy with a search firm converted me to join his team. And I spent 15 years uh, with this Miami search firm, worked my, my way up to head of recruitment and over those years placed people in really influential roles around the world with medical device companies. And it was extremely rewarding to be a part of that health and wellness space where clients were developing novel drugs, uh, artificial pancreas, cochlear implants, like cutting edge, really, really cool life-saving stuff. And um, about 15 years into it, sometime around 2014, 15, I had um, an opportunity to align with some people to uh, be a part of uh, trying to launch a vertically integrated business in Florida, which medical marijuana was not approved at that time yet, but we were betting it would pass the vote. So I was probably going to be the head of HR or talent, something like that, who who knows, but um, it never came to fruition. uh, The first vote for medical got uh, uh, shot down in Florida. So... um, it was, uh, my wife was uh, leading a startup that she had co-founded at the time and uh, not collecting a paycheck. So I had to go back and get a real job, I guess you could say, and fortuitously went to a CPG search firm and um, became a client concierge of sorts for adult beverage companies with this big CPG search firm. And, uh, you know, that was cool to do for about two and a half years. It exposed me to the adult beverage space, which has some similarities to cannabis with the state by state differences and uh, the three tier system, you know, sort of similar to distribution challenges that cannabis businesses face and not exactly the same, but similar enough. Uh, And that was fun, um, but pretty unhealthy to work in that space. Uh, Just, you know, it was like everyday drinking, which, you know, I enjoy an adult beverage, but not to that degree. And I really missed being in the health and wellness space and definitely had caught the cannabis bug and, had made a lot of friends through that 2014, 15 effort. And I just knew that there were staffing firms. There were people that were helping cannabis companies, but not in the 
very white glove executive retain search way that I had been classically trained on over year, those years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, in 2017, almost five years ago now, uh, bit the bullet. Uh, I say my wife made me do it. Thankfully, she inspired me to have the courage to launch our own search firm to begin filling that that unmet need in the industry. And um, I'm so glad we did it and can happily say, barring anything super weird and wild, this is it for me. This is all I'm doing for for the rest of my time. It's 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 so much fun and amazing to be part of this new industry that's being built. And of course, the psychedelic space is is about to blast off, too. Yeah, man. I mean, you speaking about psychedelics, you actually at the Benzinga Capital Conference, you just spoke right before Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, uh, spoke. You and I were talking about that a little bit before we jumped on the show. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe how that was a moment for you to be like, wow, just a couple of years ago, this was an idea. And here I am talking right before Mr. Wonderful comes on stage. Same industry, same, you know, relatively the same topic. Like how, how, how did that feel? Oh God, it was, you know, it was pretty surreal being uh, backstage with him, um, getting mic'd up, getting ready to take the stage to introduce him because uh, I remember years ago, I went to an MJ BizCon in New Orleans and paid a little bit extra to go to some kind of an executive summit that he uh, like, you know, guest appeared in. And I came home so giddy that I sat like 10 or 20 feet away from Kevin O'Leary Right. And now I'm backstage getting mic'd up to introduce him at this first psychedelics capital conference. And it was like, like really wild. And um, yeah, uh, it, it, I, I mean, I don't know who would have thought years ago that this would be happening, you know, for us, for us, when we really started to realize the, the opportunity there uh, again, just funny how things happen. It was just early 2020 after the 2019 cannabis capital crunch turned into the pandemic and cannabis companies were letting people go. They definitely weren't hiring new leadership at that time. And, you know, we started creating a lot of content. I think it was around that time I reached out to you. We were vetting PR firms, but in the end decided uh, it didn't, you know, make sense to hire a PR partner if, you know, there was no stage appearances to, to score. And so we just doubled down on creating content out of boredom and, um, and eventually speaking to a lot of our uh, executive friends in cannabis, they um, they were talking a lot about, well, you know, I'd like to tackle the next new frontier in psychedelics. Please keep me in mind for roles there. And that sparked a thought. And we just really actively all day, every day, started making a lot of friends in that space, reaching out to anyone who would want to talk to us. And a lot of people did want to uh, speak to us, not about hiring per se. There's not a lot of scale happening there, but uh, we had a chance to provide a lot of human capital advisory just in a pro bono type of manner to try to plant seeds of goodwill in the space. And some of those have sprouted and some are still being cultivated. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's very um, exciting to be positioned to serve that industry when it starts to scale in the way we've been serving cannabis. So when Mr. Wonderful took the stage uh, for his keynote, last week, he said something that uh, I thought was really uh, memorable and I agree with, which is, look, we love cannabis. It, it, it's, it's a fantastic plant. It's going to cure a lot. It is curing a lot, uh, anecdotally, of course, without scientific proof just yet. But it, it feels like for the most part, we've 
you know, come to the conclusion that we understand and fully appreciate that the cannabis plant is going to heal us and maybe even to some degree overappreciated. I know there's a lot of zealots running around saying cannabis cures everything. Uh, you know, I, I have a fantastic relationship with the plant. I love my cannabis. I don't, I don't think it cures everything. I mean, I wish it could. But the, the difference between cannabis and psychedelics is we're just barely starting to scratch the tip of the iceberg in psychedelics. And what, what it's under psychedelics are so underappreciated right now. And the level of appreciation we're going to gain uh, as a society about what psychedelics can do is going to be off the charts amazing. And we're not even at the one inch line to start towards that end zone right now. So that's the difference in opportunity in psychedelics and cannabis. That's exciting. Yeah, I think I think there's so much upside. And I think a lot of that appreciation that we see for cannabis today, that took so long to develop, I think we're going to see that unfold in psychedelics over the next couple of years. Um, yeah. And so, so Brian, when it comes to talent acquisition, and, you know, sort of your sweet spot and your niche, how do you feel and it, it may not even differ, but how do you think that it might differ in the cannabis space versus some of the more traditional industries that you've worked with in the past? Yeah, well, um, so the, 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 the work that we've done in cannabis, leveraging our past life experience has been um, a lot of understanding how companies should scale conscientiously, how to make the right hire, how to provide a good candidate experience, mm-hmm. and, um, and other, you know, sort of more, you know, high level stuff that has tapped into our network a bit. But um, for the most part, that, that, that 15 years of life science recruitment hasn't really been deeply tapped. I mean, we've brought quality assurance and compliance leaders and, and, and operational leaders that are used to working in heavily regulated, you know, FDA regulated environments and life sciences to some of our very compliance minded cannabis clients. But we have a giant network of clinical affairs, medical affairs, regulatory affairs, and other folks that uh, are not desirable to cannabis companies because we're not operating at that level of compliance. There's no FDA rigor in place just yet. So um, it's, it, it's, it's going to be really cool when we can start bringing that work, that network over to psychedelics companies, right? Because there's more of a focus on, you know, clinicals and regulatory pathways and, uh, and all things, you know, federally compliant, uh, regulated, where we've got this, you know, bench of talent that's dying to get in, but they're a little bit too much for cannabis companies that don't want someone who's that black and white, you know, it's just the, hiring someone like that from life sciences, a lot of times is a handicap to your cannabis business. You don't need to be that compliant or focused on the science part of it. So I'm excited to get into more sciencey conversations with MDs and PhDs that exist uh, a, a lot more per capita in psychedelics than in cannabis. And um, I think what we're going to see is uh, most likely you know, a lot of those psychedelics companies scale in a different way than we saw in cannabis with the big MSOs hiring dozens and hundreds of people at a time. And a lot of cases just over hiring for the sake of being the biggest and the best and, uh, or not the best, but, you know, just, you know, the biggest really, and uh, Mm -hmm. planting the most flags and having the biggest footprint. Whereas I think it'll be smaller footprints and more focus on regulatory and legal and IP and other things in psychedelics that will be ready to serve. And, you know, we haven't, had a chance to really exercise that muscle that much in cannabis yet. 
Yeah, no, that make, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned scaling and rapid rapid growth and things like that. What are what are some of the signs that a company is ready to bring on somebody like yourself or a firm a firm like yours uh, to help with talent acquisition versus saying, you know, hey, I could I could just do this myself. Yeah, it, it, there's there's not one proper place for us to step in. You know, it sort of like the answer is it, it depends. Uh, I mean, we've we have some clients now that hired us when it was just the you know the couple of co-founders, and uh, we have one really good client that we've helped scale from three to fifty something people in the last year and a half, and right, and then we have other. We have other clients that we met when they were a few hundred people and now they're a few thousand people and we didn't help them hire 2000 plus people. They don't, you don't use us for every search. That doesn't make much sense, but it's, it's just sort of, it, 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 it depends on what the aspirations are of, of that group. And if they're coming out of the gates with just saying, look, we want to go make sure we access all the talent instead of just hiring from the inner circle of people we know and trust, then they retain us. And if they want to, you know, scale and get to their first few hundred or thousand people on their own or some other means and then hire us later when it's time to level up leadership, because a lot of times those folks that get you from garage level startup to real company aren't always the same people that get you to what's beyond, uh, then we can come in there. So I think uh, it, it really could just be boiled down to is the company well capitalized because, you know, like most people, we don't like to work for free. So that's probably just the, the easy requirement there. But after that, if, if it's a good group of people that can, you know, pay us for our services, um, then, you know, we're, we're game to work with them as long as they want to put best foot forward and speak to talent in a transparent way. Because, you know, for us, trust, trust and goodwill uh, for us is important to build in the industry. And we do that through honesty and transparency. And a lot of times when you see poor hiring happen in these nascent industries, when it's rapid hiring, companies misrepresent culture to win top talent, talent that really wants to get into this thing that's so exciting, misrepresents what they're capable of. And so, you know, we come in to sort of keep everyone honest and play mediator and say, okay, we're going to represent the right culture and opportunity the company and we're going to make sure candidate represents himself or herself correctly. And it's, it's not a mystical, magical astronaut rocket science type of thing. It's just, yeah. all right. It's just being obsessed with getting the fit just right. And it's just a lot of conversations. Clearly I like to talk and it just takes a lot of conversations to get there. Yeah. And I think that's what also just makes for good relationship building and rapport building, which seems to be a huge key to success in the cannabis industry. And I'm, I have a gut feeling it's going to unpack the same exact way in the psychedelic space. So as someone who is in talent acquisition, networking obviously seems to be a pretty big role in that. Um, and with all of your success and the firm's success, do you have any golden nuggets as far as what listeners could do to expand their network, apply that, you know, trust the, the, the words trustworthiness, authenticity, transparency, a lot of people tend to use those, but what are some examples that you might be able to share that kind of help put those things into motion or into practice? Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, of course, another kind of cliche buzzword is just being genuine. I'm just, and which goes with mm -hmm. being authentic. I, I, if, if, if you genuinely like, you know, connecting 
people like I feel like I do, um, then networking can come naturally. I'm, I'm, I, I refer to myself as an ambivert and I have a lot of CEO and other leader friends in the space that are ambiverts. I think a lot of CEOs are ambiverts in that they're, they're good at going to an introverted place to, to think. I mean, that's a lot of times, you know, when we fail as professionals, we don't carve out time to actually think we're just always acting. And if you can, if you can act in an introverted, thoughtful way, but then also switch on the extroversion to go out and be that face and voice of your publicly traded cannabis company or Hunter and Esquire search firm, then, you know, that's a, that's a big plus. You have to be able to gravitate back and forth. And if you're naturally an introvert or naturally an extrovert, great. You have to sort of train yourself to be the other when, when that, uh, uh, you know, is, is necessary. And then I think, um, I think I know is really after that, uh, we've, we've benefited greatly from really just out of the gates, not attempting to monetize every introduction. There, there are quite a bit of leaders out there in the industry that are in the roles they're in thanks to us, but we didn't get paid for it. Um, I don't, I, I don't need to be a part of every subsequent conversation after I just make a side intro, I'm happy just to introduce a couple people that want to meet and let it carry on. And I think some people, uh, a lot of times want to stay involved in the intro to keep their tentacles in it and see how they can, you know, kind of re- always remind everyone that they made the intro or figure out a way to monetize it. And, you know, I believe in sort of like this groovy universe thing, like things will take care of itself. And, uh, right. I really enjoy giving without expecting. And, you know, sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't, but it just makes me feel genuinely good. And so just that, that then leads to all this goodwill. So, you know, you know, facilitating connections without expectations leads to goodwill. And that's really the, I think the, the, the core of our business development success. That's great advice. And I think a lot of that has to do with being patient and having a very long-term perspective on things and not trying to just capitalize on things in the short term and say, all right, I'm going to get into the space, make a couple million, get out and move on to the next. It just doesn't work that way. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and then, I mean, I don't know how you teach it. I think you just develop over time, this, this, this spidey sense, this sixth sense where you can just know when I meet someone that does X, Y, Z one day, and I meet someone else another day that kind of needs X, Y, Z, then I get so excited just to quickly make that introduction. And I came back from Benzinga last week with a couple of people labeling me as a super connector because I was just running around connecting people in that way. Because I said, wait a minute, sort of like a, like a game of people Tetris. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Some people even call it matchmaking. Or matchmaking. I've heard of that before. Yeah. yeah, I get a kick out of it. That's awesome, man. Uh, so Brian, for folks who want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Is it LinkedIn, the website? Yeah. So you can go to hello at hunteresquire.com. Our website's www.hunteresquire, altogether as one word.com. Definitely find me on LinkedIn um, and message me there. I, like any good recruiter, I live on LinkedIn just as much as my uh, database and, and Outlook email. So um and I'm obsessed with responding to people. So it might not happen immediately, but I, I, I will respond to anyone that reaches out to me. Cool, man. And you put out great content on LinkedIn too. So I think ever since you and I connected about a year or so ago, um, there's just, there's always some golden nuggets or some wisdom in there, uh, especially about just maintaining relationships and 
leveraging human capital to get to where you where you want to be and where you need to be. So for those who aren't connected with Brian yet, I definitely recommend doing so. Um, there's always going to be something you pick up from him. So for that, thank you, Brian. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah, I try to I try to educate, shoot straight. Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it, it was tough to get there. I was I was pretty shy about it, but again, 2020 inspired me. Just it, I, I had to escape the boredom and put myself out there, and and then it just becomes like uh, like an addiction when 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 you know people start showing you gratitude and learning from your ramblings, if you will. So thanks for calling that out, Mike. Appreciate it. Sure. All right, man. That'll do it for for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. Brian, thanks again for taking the time to to join us here. And, uh, and hopefully we hear from you soon. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, I'm glad we're colleagues doing this. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. We will catch you all on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.